We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Hello. Thanks once again for checking out the latest episode of Vern on Baseball. My conversation with Chris Bubich, former First round pick of your Kansas City Royals made 10 starts last year, made his big league debut in the uh, pandemic shortened 60 game season of 2020. Speaking of 20, Chris Bubich still very much in his early 20s. The young man doesn't turn 24 until August. Him along with Brady Singer and Daniel Lynch and Jackson Kowar and last year's top pick, Asa Lacey, among plenty of other young arms in this Royal system, have understandably heightened the expectations of Royals fans moving forward, not just for 2021, but for the next decade plus over at Kauffman Stadium. I had a wide-ranging interview with the young Southpaw, but I wanted to begin with his snapshot of 2020 is there a specific battle with a hitter that stands out a back and forth he adjusts you adjust a back and forth that stands out to Chris Bubich to when he thinks back to his rookie campaign he'll think of that hitter and the battles that the two of them had yeah so I think um the amount of times I faced the White Sox last year, I faced them, I mean, 10 starts, I faced them three times. So pretty good, pretty good sample against them. And just all the battles against Abreu, obviously an MVP year. He got me a couple times. I got him a couple times. But I remember one AB because I we went change up a lot to him, um, at least early on the times we were facing him. And then he started to sit on that and then kept pounding him, pounding him in with fastballs. And then he started to kind of turn on those a little bit. So we went – back to the change it up. I think he got me one of them. And then there was a, uh, another at bat. We did something similar, but instead of going to change up back away, we went curveball kind of down and in just down in general, kind of off that fastball in. And he actually rolled over that one. So I don't want to, I don't want to give away too much, but it was good to kind of face a guy like that. I mean, right out the gate, there's definitely no getting around. I mean, that whole lineup is obviously pretty talented, uh, much like the, I mean, the twins and the, the rest of the AL central stack as well, but the yeah, at-bats with Abreu were the ones I remember the most. Do you learn from – look, hitters always tell you how good your stuff is and how good your sequencing is and all of that. Does any hitter specifically, and maybe it's Abreu, stand out as far as teaching you a lesson there in your rookie campaign? Uh, in addition to Abreu, Tim Anderson was a guy I kind of had trouble with as well. Obviously another MVP caliber hitter. And I remember facing him way back in – when we had actual spring training 
before COVID uh, began. I think I faced him. He got me pretty good on a single up the middle in the start I had way back in February or Mar uh, early March, I think. And then the first couple times I faced him, he was always on base. So I was like, yeah, how can I get this guy out? Um, so then we just started expanding to him because he's a pretty aggressive hitter. That kind of taught me that less is more. I don't necessarily have to be so fine, let's say, nibbling on the corners because obviously the strike zone's a little smaller at the at the big league level. But, I mean, when a guy's an aggressive hitter, he's going to maybe expand a few inches, maybe chase something. So you don't have to be so particular about corners, corners, corners all the time. But if you set something up well and then you get a guy to expand and just get some weak contact out of that more, more often than not, you know, you'll get him out. It's definitely easier said than done, but um, that's definitely a guy I learned to adjust to as I went along. That seems like something Skip talked about a lot mm -hmm. throughout last year was, dude, your stuff is nasty. Just go. Yeah, it's definitely, it, it's frustrating because I keep telling myself, just get ahead, get ahead, get ahead and make life easier on yourself. But like I said, you know, there's always that, a little bit of doubt that creeps in maybe when you're facing a certain guy in the box, but at the, at the end of the day, it's just about attacking handers and getting out. Who's more intense, you or Skip? You or Matheny? Oh, um, he's definitely a pretty intense guy. I'd say when I'm in, when I'm in game mode, I don't want to be all high and mighty here, but I'd say no one, no one can match me when it comes to game mode, but when I'm off the field, I'm pretty laid back, pretty easy to talk to, pretty easy to get along, but, um, I'd say I'll give it a, it's a tie between us. He's, he's as intense, intense as it gets. And so am I. Well, well, talking with him throughout the year, man, look, you guys have a lot of very good pitchers, very good players. Everyone's good. You're in the big leagues. But when Skip would talk about you, you could just see he saw a little bit of himself in you. How much of your, yourself do you recognize in him when he, he has to be the manager? I understand, but there are times where, You'll see him fist pumping the dugout, and you're like, oh, that's the guy that won all those gold gloves. That That's the guy that took a billion concussions behind the dish. Yeah, we're, we're both the type of people that are – I mean, I consider myself an extremely blue-collar guy, and I know Skip does as well. Um, but we'll do whatever it takes to win, whether that's him experiencing all those concussions and still coming back and being a gold glove catcher, leading the staffs that he led – or it's me just maybe grinding through a couple starts or, or never kind of giving in to, to a hitter or never kind of giving in to just being where I was at at such, a, at such an early point in the career too because that's I don't want to lose that as well. You mean jumping from high A to the big leagues is a, is a pretty substantial step forward. Um, and not, that, not to say I wasn't ready for it, but, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of an adjustment at first, just like any, any jump in level is, um, but especially that one. But I'd say both of us just share that that passion for for doing whatever it takes to win and be successful. There's there's really no substitute for being successful besides putting the work in and, and being smart about it and, and making the right decisions. So I'm I'm really glad that we do share that passion. Uh, the, the thing I always like to focus on on the post game show is the similarities between baseball and life, the day in day out nature. You mentioned already always improving. Whether yesterday was good or bad, you get another chance to make a new, you know, when the sun comes up the next day. I just always, I think baseball's unique in that. All sports mirror life to a certain extent, but I think baseball in the everyday nature is unique. So at your age, just 23, mm -hmm. what aspects of life or baseball, either one, whichever avenue you want to go down, 
but what aspects would you say you're doing well for your age, you're advanced for your age, and what aspects do you feel still young and respectfully naive? Yeah, so the things I do well, I've always considered myself to do pretty well. I guess they fall into both categories, baseball and life, but it's just discipline. I've always been a guy that tries to make really good decisions, really smart decisions and kind of being able to keep my head on straight and, and, and be locked into whatever I'm doing and, and give my best effort through high school, college and, and beyond. Um, so that's never really been an issue. The discipline, the work capacity, uh, the work ethic, that's always been there with me. Um, I've never had someone had to tell me to, to work harder or to be more disciplined or make better decisions. That's always kind of come naturally to me. And, and that's something I take pride in something I can probably be a little better at. Maybe it's a product of being naive and just maybe a little inexperienced so far, but it's just the overthinking aspect. Um, that is something that's always accompanied, accompanied me as well. And I think the way to just combat that and eliminate that, I think is just experience. I think as you go through the grind, as you go through the ups and downs and you have more of them, then you kind of know what it takes. And you don't have to, to doubt yourself or second guess yourself. Um, you can say that this, this works for me and this doesn't, it's pretty, pretty clear rather than saying, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Like being indecisive and overthinking all the time, but um, I've been better with that through the years um, as I pitched more and more and, and just experienced life more and more. So I'd say those are the, the one strength and one weakness, I guess I have both in baseball and life. Um, you know, as, as this team gets ready this year, I, I think you guys have what, uh, maybe Chicago and Minnesota have. I, I don't think this is happening in Cleveland. Even Chicago, man. I think they got they got a new skipper. They got questions in spring. But you guys are going to hit spring. Everyone knows what skipper is like. Everyone knows just about everybody in that clubhouse. You know what the expectation is. Uh, you guys can really hit the ground running this year as far as we're all tugging on the same side of the rope. We don't need to feel each other out. Let's just, let's just go. No, we're as a, as a whole, we're in a really good spot right now. I think obviously the, the White Sox and the twins have been um, obviously talked about and, and for good reason um, for the last few seasons. But I mean, the moves we made this off season and I think this, this spot um, we put ourselves even last season. I mean, we were only a couple games, a couple games out of a playoff spot, only being a few games under 500. Um, so I think going into this year, pretty much all of us have that confidence that and we can compete with these with these, let's say, contenders. Um, so why not? Why not us? It just takes that extra little maybe that one one play that's made or that one at bat that's that's clutch or something. That's that's the only difference in the one the winner or loss, because when it comes to guys that can perform and guys that have ability, I mean, we have that we have hitters that can that can rake. We have pitchers that can get outs. I mean, that's all you can ask for in a, in a whole team. And I think we're in a really good spot to pursue a, a really good year and to put ourselves in a really good position to contend. So I, I checked out baseball reference um, just in, I don't know what for, but, but I, but I, I saw they have their projections up, right? Everybody's got their projections of who's going to do what I'm sure you're not interested and I'm not going to tell you any of them, but, if I was to show you their projections for you this season, where would your eyes go? Like what number would you be inclined to see what people are expecting from Chris Bubich? 
That's a good question. I'd say, well, first of all, in, in terms of all the, the stuff that's out there, like I'm aware of all that stuff. I try not to pay too much attention to it. I think most people would say the same, but even if it's stuff that I see, like they, like maybe stuff that's negative or stuff that's even positive, I'm still motivated by that. And I still kind of get ticked off a little bit, you know, the, the chip on the shoulder type attitude. So um, none of it really bugs me. I mean, people can say whatever they want to say and it doesn't really bother me, but I'd say if I had to pick something that, that really represented what I want to do next or this coming year, I'd say the innings mark, because like I mentioned a little bit before the, the availability aspect, I think is so underrated um, in baseball and in professional sports in general, because if you're available, taking the ball every five to six days. And like I mentioned, that's something that I pride myself on being that durable kind of workhorse uh, type of guy. So if I can get 150, even close to 200 innings, um, I know it might get a little hairy because the, the increase from last year to 60 to 162 is a big increase. But at the same time, that's what I prepare my body for. And that's what I prepare my mind for to go through that gauntlet and be able to pitch 150, 200 innings. So I think that's, that's something I take the most pride in. I'm going into this year because man, I was thoroughly impressed with everything that, that you and, and, and Brady as well were able to do in that season in your rookie campaign. But as I've been joining shows on our radio station and other baseball shows around the country, you know, the last, obviously what I think about uh, the Royals and, and, and the rotation, I like it, but I do wonder about innings because you're a, and I know Dayton Moore doesn't like when anybody says this, but you are a commodity. Brady Singer's a commodity. They got to take care of your elbow and your shoulder. Same with his. Keller and Miner, I feel like, have done it in the past. Of Those are the kind of guys where I need them to throw 200. Do you think we, we should include you and Brady in that, or is that – Cause I just, I, I'm always trying to remember how difficult the job is and trying to be fair. And in year two to say, here you go, young man, I need you 33 times this year. Should I be including you guys in that? Is that fair to ask of, you know, a pair of guys entering their first 162 grind? No, it's definitely a fair question. And I think as far as me and Brady goes, I think if we weren't expecting ourselves to do that, I think the expectations we set on ourselves will kind of reflect upon, let's say the coaching staff or the front office to make those decisions, whatever they may be. Uh, but if we put ourselves in a position in the off season and going through and we can, let's say we're at hundred, 120 innings or something like that. And we're, we're peaking at the right time. We're not selling any signs of slowing down. Then I, I don't, I don't see why we wouldn't be able to be available for 30 plus starts and, and be able to pitch basically a full season because obviously that's what we're here to do and that's what we're, we're paid to do. And that's something that we take pride in. I know he does as well. And to save our bullpen as well, because um, those innings are obviously going to have to come from, from somewhere, whether it's the bullpen stepping up or bringing other guys up. But obviously selfishly, we want those innings and we want to be able to, to take the ball every five, six days and, when we feel like we're not doing that, that's we feel like in ourselves we're letting ourselves down, but we're also letting our team down because we're not being available, let's say, as much as we should be. So that's something. Um, obviously, that decision is out of my hands, but I'm fully on board with with taking the ball 30, 30 plus times this coming year. 
you obviously expect and, and look great rookie campaign, but you obviously expect your performance to improve and continue to improve for the next decade plus. But as we look towards 21, do you think your performance will benefit from fans being back in there or is the tunnel vision so strong that they could have been there last year and you don't think it would have been any different? It's a good question. I'd say, I'd say it's a little bit of both, honestly. I think from a collective team standpoint, I think guys thrive off that fan fan energy. Um, so I think that's an aspect of the game that's definitely missing. But I'd say when I'm pitching, it is a little more of the tunnel vision aspect. Because if I was – I mean, you hear stuff from fans every now and then or you hear cheers, you hear boos. But um, at the end of the day, all I'm focused is on that, that 60 feet, six inches. And um, if I were to be distracted, let's say, about what's happening in section 150, row 10, and uh, I'm losing focus from what actually matters in that current situation. But I think from a collective team standpoint, I think the fans um, – would really benefit us. And I know the fans would love to, to come watch again. There's nothing that's better in professional sports than fans coming and filling up a stadium, being loud. And that's, I mean, that's something, that's what you play for. Um, and that's, that's something that we, we want back obviously as soon as possible. Is it just me? I mean, the competition for these rotation spots, it's packed, right? You guys are stacked. Look what you and Brady and Brad and Danny and Miner have done are obviously going to give you, quite the leg up, but I mean, Irvin Santana's done a lot. Junie's done a lot. Lynch, Lacey, and Kowar don't appear to be any schlubs. What, what word would you use to describe? I mean, 10, 11 deep of arms. Oh, it's, uh, it's as fun as it gets. I mean, competition really brings out the best um, in all of us, at least with our draft class back in 18. I think that's what's really helped us along the way because we're obviously, we're all friends and we all, get along with each other just fine. And we're all really cool with each other. Um, but at the same time, that competition aspect, you know, really gets us going and really brings out the best in each of us um, because we've all had really good moments so far and all will continue to have really good moments. So you're right. I mean, going in there, just competing our tails off and obviously the front office and the, the coaching staff will have tough decisions to make. It's a good problem to have that you have 10, 11 arms deep um, to potentially compete for for five or six spots whatever it is in a big league rotation so um, I'm excited you know I don't back down from competition I know all the 10 11 guys none of us do um, so we're excited to kind of go head to head against each other but also I mean compete with ourselves as well um, because we're all in it for the same thing and I think it's going to be really fun so that's that's the that's the word I, I put it as it's, yeah. it's fun and and all that it's it's you know, something that I've been able to learn from being around baseball over the years, but I still think a lot of fans, understandably, they got their own lives, but a lot of fans don't appreciate is, you know, if if the average fan or someone like me is in your shoes after last year, all right, maybe we made it. I'm in the show. I put up numbers. I picked up dubs. But this is really when the work begins, right? I mean, all you're grinding through high school, college, and in the minors. Great job. Is it fair to say now the the hard work begins because now you're going up against those names I just mentioned? Oh, that's fair to say. Um, and I know the saying that goes around, it's not – the hardest part is not about getting to the, the big leagues. It's about staying there, um, especially at the, the pitcher, especially as a pitcher because there's so much turnover with 
injuries and just performance in general. So it's not that the work hasn't started already, but it's just to continue to keep that foot on the gas because I think as, as soon as I, me or whoever gets complacent, I think that's when um, bad things start to happen. You know, you get comfortable with just kind of being average and just kind of getting by rather than excelling and, and being the best. Because as a teammate, if I see one guy really pushing the throttle and, and being the best version of himself that he can be, then that kind of motivates me to do the same. So I think if you have a clubhouse full of guys that are just kind of okay with getting by, and then, you know, you're, not that you're wasting your time, but I mean, you kind of are wasting your time because um, if you're, if you're going to be in that clubhouse, if you're going to be on that field, you need to be putting in the work and the effort to be successful. You know, there's no really getting by, getting by that and no shortcuts to that. So I think if we're, as a team, if we want to go or we want to go, um, then that needs to continue to be an emphasis. And um, that's something that really doesn't go away as long as we, as we keep going forward. Got just a few more for you. When, when did baseball separate itself? Uh, what age did baseball become the, the main focus or the sole focus for you? For me, I'd say right before I got to high school, growing up, I played every sport, pretty much football, uh, actually football when I got to high school, but uh, basketball and soccer growing up. And then once I got to high school, I dropped soccer and picked up football. And then after my freshman year of high school, I dropped basketball and just football, football, baseball. But I knew I was a lot better at baseball than football. I was okay at football, but I mean, I'm not a freak athlete or someone that's jumping through the roof or something like that or, or blazing speed. So I knew uh, baseball had a little more potential for me and especially the pitching aspect, being left-handed, being able to throw strikes, you know, that's, that's a good foundation to start with. So I just kind of rode that and kept working at that and it kind of evolved into what it is now. When it comes to your family, how much motivation did they give you? How much did you and I, I saw the video your, your sister did about your debut on the Royals uh, YouTube page? How much motivation did, did she give you growing up? How much of it has just always been inside of you, this insatiable appetite to compete and improve? I think it's all of the above, especially me and my sister. I mean, she grew up doing multiple things as well. She was a, a, a dancer, ballet, and, and she played uh, sports up until high school as well. So we've always had that drive to kind of, not to say one-up each other, but to try to be kind of the best at whatever we were doing. And that's kind of still the way we operate. And our family's always been supportive of that. She's in the medical field now. I'm in professional sports and we haven't had, we're kind of the first in our families to do either. So like we're kind of blazing our own paths and our family's been extremely supportive of both through the years and, and obviously through childhood and whatnot. Um, and they're still, I mean, they're, they're as excited as can be to, to watch me play and to watch her do her thing in the medical world. So obviously can't thank them enough. And it's just something that's, that's always been there. You know, we've always been trying to succeed and be the best at whatever we're doing. I would imagine you lean on them quite a bit. Uh, you, you've talked in the past about a draft class you came in with and you guys were close so what's this all been like? You know, everyone's going through it with uh, the pandemic, but, you know, this offseason, who have you uh, leaned on for, whether it's emotional support or it's, you know, baseball support to keep pushing you forward? Yeah, so it's a good mixture of both. Obviously, being around here in the Bay Area is where my family is. Visiting them is obviously tough right now, but just being able to talk with them or on the phone or whatever it is within safe distance. 
Um, that's something that I really rely on being kind of Eastern European, you know, that's, that's kind of the, in our blood, just the family roots, big families, you know, loud families that kind of get together a lot and lean on each other emotionally and, and what, and whatnot. And then there's a, yeah, there's a handful of guys that have reached out to, I mean, this off season and um, it's been fun to, no, I, I shouldn't say fun, but it's been interesting to kind of see what they're doing to pass their time. Or you see something on social media that they're doing that, you know, cause everybody's dealing with this a little differently. Uh, everybody's in different States and you kind of see what guys are doing um, in different parts of the country. So it's definitely a challenge and it still is a challenge because I mean, it looks like we're not through with this for another, at least a couple months and possibly through the end of the year. But it, it's it's reassuring to know that my family's there and, and a, a good group of teammates and staff are there to reach out to every week or every couple of weeks just to kind of see where everybody's at mentally, physically, and and how they're prepping and how they're dealing with this. So it's, like I said, it's reassuring to, to know that they're there. Yeah, it's crazy. And I can only imagine what it's like to be your age through all this. Many people listening to this will you're a big league ball player. It's got to be awesome. And I'm sure it is, but you know, to be uh, still in your early twenties, not only dealing with a pandemic, but also, and I, I don't know how you grew up or how diverse a community you grew up in. I know I did it. I, everyone I went to school with looked like me. So there's also been awakening as far as, you know, privilege and uh, racial dynamics in this country to be going through all of that for me at 37 is interesting. I can only imagine at 23 when you got all these things, uh, you're juggling all of this. How, how much have, have you learned over the past year and a half just about teammates, about other people and about, or, or maybe you knew all of this growing up. Maybe you had enough interactions with uh, different people from different backgrounds to have a little bit more empathy than, than some others may. Yeah, no, I've always, I've always learned and, and the family I grew up in has always kind of taught me to be sensitive towards things and not take and be empathetic as well and not be so harsh and so rigid towards everything, even outside. Don't be so focused, just baseball, 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 or just sports in general all the time that you forget what's happening, you know, around the world and around the country and whatnot. So I think as you go along, like, just kind of like with the baseball, the experience of getting to see current events or getting to see stuff on social media or whatnot. I think what I've learned is that change can be both good and bad, but I think in change for the good and for the betterment of society and for the, the common good or for a majority of people, I think that's what we can really take from all this and really learning how to, how to be in someone else's shoes, um, how to put yourself in someone else's shoes, I, I think is the most important aspect I think in all this because we get so caught up in, our own lives and what we're doing and what we're surrounded by. And like you, I mean, I, you know, I went to school with, you know, it was a private school. So it's a somewhat exclusive set of kids and um, you don't necessarily see everything that's represented in the world. So I think what's most important to remember is that there are other things besides just the things you experience and that ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes is, is priceless because that's the most important characteristic or, or experience you can have to, to experience empathy and whatnot. So I think as long as we keep remembering that that is extremely important, then I think things can get better and continue to get better. And having a boss like Matheny and Dayton, having an owner that 
spends a billion dollars and then nobody comes to his games, but he still pays all the minor leaguers. Um, has to make it just, it's already great being a big leaguer, but just a little bit better working for some classy gents like that. Oh, 100%. As soon as we did that and supporting the minor leaguers, because I mean, it's being able to play last year. I mean, that's just, I was grateful for that. But I mean, guys haven't played for something almost two years now um, that they haven't stepped foot on the field and, and played an actual game. So I, I can't even comprehend what's what's going through their minds. So to be able to step up like that, our front office um, doing what they did and to really show that kind of grace and that kind of support and compassion with them um, to stoop down, you know, like because a lot of times you see front office and you see minor leaguers, like there's some large gap in between them, but to see kind of them come together um, and bridge that gap is really reassuring and kind of lets me know that I'm in the right place at the right time. And I'm surrounded by people that, that really care about what we're doing both on and off the field. No doubt. Well, uh, we'll save travels to Arizona. Hopefully I'll be there. I think we might make the trip and I'll be, it'll be like Sunday night football. I'll be in the sixth row screaming down at you <laughs> from uh, the stands to do interviews. But uh, I really appreciate you doing this, man. Uh, safe travels and hopefully I'll see you soon. Appreciate it, Josh. Thank you for having me. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 